Morning, everyone. I'm Sai, one of the, the leaders here. If you're a guest, I want to give you a special welcome this morning, and we'll, we will, as a church, try to uh, welcome you. But as you would have picked up already, it's an incredibly sad week for us as a church, as our dear friend and beloved leader, leader in this church for 17 uh, years or, or more, Paul Tack has suddenly died and gone to be with the Lord. So we're in shock, we're sad, we're grieving, we're confused, we're, uh, some people may even be angry um, why, why God had taken such a great man from us when he had still had so much to, to give and do amongst us. And of course our heart goes out to the family even more so, whose pain is much greater than our own at, at this time. And just to say, these feelings that many of you will be having are all normal, they're all natural, and you need to work through them with God. You know, we believe in God is sovereign, he's in control, but that doesn't mean that we don't feel these things or we don't work through them. We bring them to God at a time like this, you see. Because as Christians, whilst we grieve, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. No, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. We know that for Paul, he's with the Lord right at this moment, which for him is better by far, Philippians 1 verse 23 tells us. He is where there is no more mourning, there is no more crying, and there is no more pain. He has joined the crowd of witnesses that are in heaven above, the church triumphant in glory, as Hebrews 12 uh, would make us aware of. And he has entered into the fullness of that rest that Jesus promises us to, to, to give us. Paul has run his race, and he has received his prize of the upward call of God in Christ. It's wonderful, actually, for our dear friend and beloved pastor, Paul Tack. But for us, we miss him. We weep with those who weep, and we mourn with those who mourn, especially the family. But knowing the truth, that as Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And as children of God, adopted into God's family, who is the one who comforts us? Well, the Bible says, none other than God himself. See, hear these verses in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, it says this, the Apostle Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have received from God. That is how precious you are to God, my friends, that he himself doesn't send an angel, he himself comforts you. And it gets better than that because we know that when we actually go to be with the Lord, Revelations 21 verse 4 makes clear that God himself will wipe away every tear 
from our eyes. So even in this difficult time, and indeed there'll be many other difficult times that we go through in life. Jesus promises us that, but God promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. Some of you may know what it's like to be forsaken by by loved ones here today, but actually God will never forsake you. So we can confidently say with the writer of Hebrews that the Lord is my helper. I will not fear, no matter what comes our way. Jesus has promised to never leave us. He's promised to not leave us as orphans, but that he himself will be with us, even to the end of the age. So whilst we're desperately sad about Paul, it's not the sadness of desperation, but one of momentary loss of someone that we greatly loved. And of course, we have deep affection and uh, sympathy for Janet, Charlotte, and the whole family at this time. Do you know, Paul's last words to us last Sunday, only, only last Sunday, probably about this time now, was, he has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That was the words that Paul read to us and that was a life that Paul lived before our very eyes. My friends, once you've put your faith in Jesus, that's what God requires of you. For none of us by ourselves are good enough to be right with God. The Bible actually says that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So don't be confused here. To do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly before your God cannot be done in your own strength. No, we actually, we all fail every day to meet God's standards. But because of God's rich love for you and me, He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live amongst us. He was born of a virgin and grew up for 30 years living a relatively ordinary life before us. And then, but he never failed to meet any of God's standards. He fulfilled all of them. He fully pleased his father. He was the only one that God in heaven could look down on and say, this is my beloved son. With him, I am well pleased. And with these words and in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus began his three-year ministry of proclaiming the good news of how mankind can get right with God in heaven. And God, again, so pleased at his son, and also knowing that we're a bit hard of hearing, a bit thick sometimes, said again from heaven, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then Jesus went to the cross and died a criminal's death. And more than the physical suffering, there was the pain of all the sins of the world being poured out on his 
righteous soul. All the things that you and I have done that are wrong, that offend God, poured out on Jesus. And got on top of that came God's wrath crashing down on Jesus, who died for you, and he died for me, and he died for Paul, so that you might live, so that you might be forgiven and accepted in God's sight, not because of what you've done, but because you've chosen to recognize what Jesus has done on the cross for you when you put your faith and your trust in him. God, having accepted Jesus, and because death itself had no hold on Jesus, he rose again victorious and ascended to the Father's side in glory. And Jesus gives to all who put their faith in him that same hope that though we die, we'll live to be with him. So that's why even in death, even in the death of a loved one that we grieve, but we don't grieve as one who doesn't have hope. And we're sad, but we're not sad with the sadness of desperation or hopelessness. For Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That is the words of the Son of God, my friends. That is the words of God to you. The words of of him who could say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You can trust Jesus' words completely. And when you put your trust in Jesus, that's when you receive the promised Holy Spirit of God. And that Spirit is the one, that's God's Spirit, who helps you to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. As you draw upon the Holy Spirit's strength in your life and as you don't hinder the work of the Spirit, He helps you to live like this. As I was preparing this, I just felt I needed to uh, challenge some people here that some of you are hindering the Holy Spirit's work in your life by allowing areas of sin to remain in your life and by not obeying some of the promptings of God's Spirit in you. Time is short, my friends, as this week shows. Who knows when God will call any of us home to be with him. So let's make sure we make every day God gives us count for Jesus. Keep a short account of yourself. Deal with sin in your life quickly. Don't put it off. Forgive people who have upset you and wronged you. We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive people and move on. Live and promote justice in the world around you, drawing upon the Holy Spirit's strength to do that. Be a kind person to all, even those who are not nice. You know, it's easy to be kind to nice people, isn't it? But Jesus says even non-Christians do that. 
We're called to be like our Heavenly Father and to be kind to those who are unlovely. Just as Paul gave us a great example in, in fact. And you're called not just to be kind, but to love kindness. Just like your Heavenly Father loves kindness. And the Holy Spirit wants to make you more like Jesus. So he wants to bring this in you. You're called no longer to live for yourself, your own pursuits, your own desires. You're called to live for God. You're called to humble yourself. And you know, C.S. Lewis says, humble people don't think less of themselves, but they think, they think about themselves less. And that's what we're called to do. We're called not to think of ourselves so much and to think, what does God want of me? What does God require of me? What's God's priorities for my life? And I'm going to live by them. You know, Paul Tack gave us an excellent demonstration of this in his life, in his, how he lived it, how he gave his time, how he gave his energy, how he gave his finances. My friends, you too would be wise to copy his example. When those waves of grief are there, and they do come in waves, there's times where you feel okay, and then they, something will trigger another wave of grief, they keep coming back. Or when other types of trouble come your way, as, as they will, as Jesus promised us that they will this side of eternity, don't despair, but throw yourself on God again and again. As we've heard read this morning already from Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at his swelling, which is what it feels like for some of us at the moment, certainly for the family. But there is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God. We're the city of God, my friends, his church. We're the city of God. And the river can be a picture of the, of the Holy Spirit at work in us. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in her midst. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God is our refuge. He is the rock that is higher than us, that we can cling to at times like this for safety and comfort. And we run to him, and we should run to him, and we should point other people to him as well when they're going through difficult times. Because as Psalm 62, verse 7 and 8 say, On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. The psalm encourages you to do that, to pour out your heart before him. Why? Because God is a refuge for us. My friends, pour out before him your heart this morning, your grief, your confusion, your anger, your disbelief, your sadness. He's not aloof from your situation. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. 
Don't be like that child that, you know, they're grieving, but they blame their parents, so they won't let their parents come and comfort them when really all they need is a hug from their dad. Let the loving arms of Father God surround you at this time and lead you through this time, lead you through the time when the waters of life are roaring and foaming until he leads you to that place where you're beside still waters and he restores your soul. Obviously, the ultimate fulfillment of that will be when Christ returns and restores all things. But even now, Jesus says he leaves us his peace. He gives us his peace. For he is your shepherd. And indeed, he is the good shepherd who laid down his own life for his sheep, you and me. That's why the Apostle Paul could write, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? So, my friends, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So throw yourselves on him, and he will help you through this sad and difficult time, and indeed any other difficult time that you face in life. For he is a good shepherd, and you can trust him to lead your life to a fruitful and a fulfilled place as you live for him. And he will take you through this life on into eternity to be with him where he's prepared a place for you and for me and for all who put their trust in him. And of course, that's where our beloved Paul Tack is now. He's with the Lord, which for him is better by far. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you that you are good. Thank you that we know your love endures forever, Lord God. And thank you that we know you're the God of all comfort. And we just pray that by your spirit, you would comfort your church, Lord God, that's grieving. Lord God, you would comfort the TAC family in particular, Lord God, that you'd be so, so close to them, Lord God even this morning, Lord God, that they would know your very present help in their time of trouble, Lord God. But Lord, we pray that also for ourselves here who are are grieving him in a lesser way, but still grieving him nonetheless, Lord God. And uh, Lord, I just pray. Father, thank you, Lord God, for what such a wonderful man he was, Lord God. But thank you that he's with you now, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray for each one of us Lord God, that your spirit would just be close to us at this time. Lord God, that you will take hold of us and lead us, Lord God, into the places that you've got for us. Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be a people that do keep a short account of our sins, Lord God, and deal with them quickly. Lord Jesus, that be a people that focus on you. Its focus is on eternity. Focus is on living for you. Lord God, in, Lord God, serving you in, 
Lord God, in doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly before you. Lord Jesus, help us as a people to do that. Help us as a people to point people towards you as you're the only hope for this world, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would just be upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just keep your, your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, as I've said and made clear this morning, it's not about you thinking, oh, I must try harder, I must try and do these things. It's about you recognizing that actually we fail to do these things regularly. And that's why we need a savior. And we need to put our faith and our trust in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I want that hope that goes beyond the grave. I want to know that when I die, it's going to be better for me by far. Then I'd encourage you to pray this prayer along with me this morning. Just pray this in your heart. Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send Jesus to earth to live amongst us and to die on the cross for us. Please forgive me of all the things that I've done that are wrong. I give you my life and I want to live the rest of my life for you through your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer along with me for the first time or if you're making a response of recommitment to God, I would encourage you, please come and uh, talk to me afterwards. I'd love to, to talk to you. I'm going to invite the band back up here to uh, sing Great Is Thy Faithfulness because no matter what's going on, we know we can trust that God is faithful. Can I encourage us? Let's look out for each other. At this time, let's make sure we extend the arm of uh, comfort and love to people around us. And let's make sure we particularly shower Janet and Charlotte and the Tack family with the love of God at this time. Let's let them know that we're thinking of them, that we're praying for them, that we're, uh, that we're there for them when they need us. So, yeah, let's make sure we do that as a church. We're called to be, if you like, the arms and feet of, of Jesus here on earth. So let's make sure we, we comfort them in particular, whilst also we look out for each other and comfort them. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit Christchurchhailsham.org.